we're back. We know you missed us. We are back. Parked in turn one is back right before the roller coaster of Portimao. Bo, how are you this evening? Hey, Jason. I'm not doing too bad, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, listen, everybody, we apologize. It was spring break last week, and <laughs> I have kids, and we were traveling, and I apologize. I could not get a good internet connection. So, sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're back. We, you know, and we had a ton of racing happen the weekend when uh, MotoGP was at Coda and World Superbike was at Aragon and Moto America Superbike was at Coda. Um, but really, and that was the opening Superbike race for um, Moto America and it was the opening weekend for World Superbike. So that's cool. But there was a ton of racing. We're going to try to touch on all of it. Just do thousand foot view kind of stuff. Our impressions of what we see um, and what we feel like after this. Now, I did make Bo watch the World Superbike races after we got finished watching the races on Sunday in the hotel room. Bo, did you enjoy that? I did. I did. We had you know nice pizza, nice dinner, and and uh, really sat down and watched a nice opening weekend. But like you're saying, you know. We're really starting to hit this the point in our seasons where the schedules are just getting stacked for us, and it's you know Absolutely. our Wednesday nights are going to be packed. That uh, you know trying to fit all this into a forty-five minute window is definitely going to be challenging for us, but it'll be a lot of fun. It is. Well, I don't think we need to cover as in depth as we have sometimes in the past when you have that many races right, right. happening the same weekend. So you know, I, I'm going to jump right into the World Superbike at Aragon because it was the opening weekend there. We were all very curious to see what was going to happen this year after Top Rack really took it to Kawasaki and Johnny Ray last year uh, with some newcomers. We knew Alvaro Bautista was back on the Ducati, Scott Redding had moved to BMW. Um, and we were, we were all interested. Am I wrong? I mean, we were, we were, we were kind of chomping at the bit to see what was happening. Yeah. I think we're, you know, we were, we were really anxious for this, this opening weekend again, to see what was going to happen, what kind of racing we were going to see. You know, I completely agree. Um, like you said, Top Rack really took it to, to uh, uh, Jonathan Ray and Kawasaki last year, so there were a lot of unknowns coming into where we're going to see a, a domination again from Top Rack. Uh, you know, where where we're going to see uh, Jonathan Ray just kind of lay down and, and kind of fizzle out in his in his career or not, and you know, call it quits. But uh, no, this racing definitely uh, was anything but that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know. Um, just a quick mention of Scott Redding. His weekend was horrible. That's all that needs to be said. He was not happy. Did I did I cover it? It was terrible. Got a point. That's uh, points win championships, right? <laughs> yeah, not one point. Not one point doesn't. <laughs> if it's golf, um, I mean, we're close. No, right? Oh, there you go. Absolutely. But, you know, in race one, we saw Johnny Ray win. Alvaro Batista on the Ducati is a force. We know that. Mm -hmm. He was second. And Top Rack was a, a pretty distant and surprising third. Um, I said to you, as soon as there were three or four laps into the race, that Kawasaki looks so much better on the front end. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they've gotten a lot figured out there. And that spells trouble for the rest of the field. Um, but Alvaro Bautista looked really strong on the Ducati, but we've seen this before early in the season, right? We've right. we've seen him do great on the Ducati early in the season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my 
hold my praise just yet. He did a great job. I just yeah. want to see him keep doing I, it. I mean, that's another aspect to look at, though, is <clears throat> not only Alvaro Batista looked good on the Ducati, but the Ducati itself really showed out because it it really showed, obviously, its strengths down the back straight. That bike was just a rocket ship. Uh, oh, my goodness, was, yeah. It, you know, and like you're saying with the, with the new Kawasaki, Aragon has a lot of, or a couple really, really heavy braking zones and then a couple brake zones where you have to be really deliberate on the brakes you know a lot of deep trail braking areas and and it's easy to lose the front end and it really looked so much more settled this year and jonathan ray just looked like he had so much confidence on the brakes everywhere he He looked like he had top rack confidence on the brakes and i think that's very dangerous given the kind of corner speed that jonathan ray can really maintain with this bike yeah and i have to say i'm a little surprised i was a little surprised that the Yamaha was lacking and top rack was lacking, you know, especially later on in the races. Mm-hmm. Um, he finished third, but all three races. So not a disaster, but uh, he was not close. Yeah. He it, wasn't. It, it definitely and, wasn't and, what we were expecting. I don't think no. uh, like you, I mean, I think I, I thought we were going to see a lot more aggressive of top rack come out to really put a staple down and, and defend that championship. But, uh, but it just wasn't there. But, uh, but one thing I did take away and I kept noticing was, you know, in the last two turns at Aragon, after that long straight, um, the two two real wide light left-handed turns, Jonathan Ray was able to make up so much time um, on the corner, on the edge of that tire, and he ran such a tight line the entire time uh, during yep. that race, and even made a lot of aggressive passes there that, you know, you really don't see a ton of passes being made in the manner that he did, but it, it was, whenever he needed to make that pass, he wasn't afraid to stick it in there, and that just speaks to me of a dangerous confidence that he has on that bike. And, and, yep. and I mean dangerous in a positive way for him and, and negatively yep. for everyone else in the field because yep. he is a force to be reckoned with. And I think he wants the championship back. He definitely wants his number one plate oh, back. Absolutely. Well, you know, he does. And he came out and he had a great weekend. I mean, there's no other way to categorize it. If yeah. you're one, a first and two seconds, that's a great weekend. I, I, I mean, I don't care who you are. Um, but Alvaro Bautista did look really good on the Ducati on his second run. Uh, the Ducati, like you said, looked great. But well, the thing that I took away from the weekend for the Superbike was Yamaha screwed it up again in another class. They're the defending world champion here, too, and their bike, the 22 bike, just just didn't have it. And as a matter of fact, Top Rack is going back to the 21 bike for Assen. That's disastrous. Right. And that, you know, that definitely begs the question, you know, what did Yamaha do in the off season at all? You know, because uh, honestly, that uh, Yamaha dominated last year. Uh, Yamaha, yes. won, you know, uh, we talked about how many times won um, Moto America Superbike, World Superbike um, won the yep. championship, MotoGP won the championship, World Super Sport, it won the championship. Uh, you know, just the, the, the praise that's lauded upon Yamaha last year in 2021 was was just a, it was a banner year for the manufacturer so you know it really does feel like they rested on their laurels a bit in the off season and yeah. you know i mean congratulations if we developed a new mt07 you know and great you <laughs> now you can have fun in the twins class but honestly what what is yamaha doing and and what's going on in water whenever it comes to research and development yeah it looks like they need to iwata that paper up and start over. That's what it needs to do. Zing! Good, I'm here. I'm on. Setup, I'm here bro. all night, folks. I'm here all night. Great setup, Bo. I love it. Or the uh, make the sure PG1 you get you work. 
Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you work Hamamatsu into the next. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I took that away and it, I was, I'm very disappointed in Yamaha's off season, like in every, every class. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're going to talk about Moto America just briefly, but you know, they weren't close to Danilo Petrucci and his first ride on the Moto America, you know, uh, Superbike Ducati. And, and their bike didn't even, wasn't even reliable all weekend. Blew up, barely ran, didn't run race one because it was bad. And, and, uh, there's a lot going on at Yamaha, and I think there's no question that they relaxed in the offseason. There's no other explanation for it, in my opinion, unless we say that every other manufacturer just found quantum leaps with their motorcycles, which they did not, in my opinion. But I guess that's possible. I mean, you know, we did see the Hondas finishing fifth and sixth. So shout out to Iker Lekawana and Chavi Vieje and their mm -hmm. first World Superbike uh, weekend. They're in the fifth and I'm sorry, they're fifth and sixth in the championship right now. You know, I, that's great for Honda because we saw Alvaro Batista struggle on that thing for right. two years. Right. Um, but, you know, it, Kawasaki put in the work this offseason. It's obviously evident it was evident to me and you can confirm i said it within three laps i was like oh my gosh that thing looks amazing because i watched johnny ray lose time at lean on the brakes all year last year and through five and six and the, even into the reverse corkscrew at aragon forget yeah. about it man forget about it he he had no worries he uh, could that push bike was that so planted thing. there yeah yeah absolutely and uh so Great job by Alvaro Batista to win race two with Johnny Ray in second and again top rack in third. Uh, and then, you know, Alvaro won the Super Pole race. But we know Alvaro goes great at Aragon. He always does. Um, and he was on a great bike. So let's see what he does going on the rest of the season. Johnny's going to be there. I am very confident top rack will be there. Yeah. Um, 100%. Because even though he could, he could not break like he wanted to, he still is a demon on the brakes. It is nuts to watch him break. Um, but let's let's talk real quick about World Supersport. Um, it was the opening weekend for World Supersport. We saw some names that had been in the MotoGP paddock for a number of years popping up over there. Uh, and not to forget that this is the new FIM setup for the the world super sport so I, I guess we call it homologation is that what we're calling it the homologation yeah i think so uh, uh, yeah the new new generation super sport yeah the new generation like that. that's right so you know but as it would turn out it was still as you were uh at the front two uh places in both races you got lorenzo baldessari coming in winning his first race in world super sport it's good to see him back at the front of the pack we knew he could do it um dominique a girder in second right there looks like he's going to challenge for the championship again. And Ken Onchu looked really good again at the beginning of the race, but that fading at the midpoint and at the end, it keeps getting him every, every race. I don't know what to do because they, he does the same thing every time. He's super aggressive, super fast in the first eight laps, and then he's got nothing. Maybe he gets tired. Maybe his tire is run off. I don't know, um, but it's he's got to figure that out if he wants to win. Dominique Gerder wins the second race. Baldessari finished second. 
Now, what I will say that the the moment that Baldessari had in the final corner of the last lap, he should have crashed. He was gone, and he ran a girder wide, but somehow he saved it and then ended up winning the race. It was an unbelievable save. If you didn't watch it, watch it. Uh, but a girder got him in the second race. Baldessari finished second. And then Nico Bulaga on the podium for Ducati. So... The V2 getting its first podium in the World Supersport. So my takeaway is that the R6 is still a really good bike. <laughs> um, but the Ducati is showing some promise. And we know if they're serious about it, they will develop that V2. Right. And right. it will get faster. So being able to watch the new uh, generation of Supersport in both... Moto America and World Supersport would be very interesting this year. But um, it looks like Agater is just going to be here to win it. Like, he's he's serious about it. He got a taste of a world championship. He wants another one. Go get it, man. 100%. What'd you th- what do you think? No, I agree. You know, and the, you made the comment about possibly Ducati continue to develop a V2. Um, you know, with these the balance of performance that they're applying to these bikes, you know, wonder – I guess the question is, did they – maybe tame the v2 a little bit too much um you, you know i uh, see that well they know, obviously the, choke the power with right the electronics, right it's, and you it's, know yeah it's there's also rev limits i think that are that are imposed yep. on some of these bikes too but i do i know at least for um yeah, moto america i think moto america models the same as the as fim as they they will it revisit it after a few rounds and kind of maintain yep. them they'll, they'll look at the results and give it a little bit to create a trend i think and then go back to see, do we want to, to tweak this a little bit? So if it's either right. adding weight to the R6 or, you know, letting some of the power restrictions uh, for the V2 and the triples, um, right. you know, to uh, kind of loosening those reins a little bit on them. We'll see. I, it's going to be exciting yeah, as it develops. I think so. I, I don't think you mess with the R6. I, I think you have a heavier bike in the V2 because it's obviously the motor's bigger, right? So... Mm-hmm. I think you have to maybe figure out those restrictions a little bit. But having said all that, Bulaga put it on the podium. So right, right, it's right. not far off. So we'll see. You're right. Let's see how that goes. But let's touch on real quick. Let's touch on, unless you have something else in the World Superbike Paddock and our 1,000-foot view there. No, no. Um, so. Okay. I mean, it, it was a great weekend of racing. I can't wait to watch Assen this weekend. I love watching races at Assen. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're just always exciting, and everyone that's ever, and I know a few guys that have actually ridden on that track, and they say, you just don't understand how fast that track is until you get on it or you stand beside it when people are going by, and it just makes for great racing, so I'm excited for that, so we'll be watching that. But Moto America's opening Superbike weekend was at Coda along with MotoGP, and we got to witness it, and we saw Danilo Petrucci run away with both races, um, the aforementioned issues with Jake Gagne's Yamaha of, uh, you know, didn't even run race one. He did he did the warm-up lap, and it wasn't right, so he brought it in. And then, uh, you know, Cam Peterson, although he, he Cam Peterson did a good job, but he wasn't close to Skoltz, and he wasn't close, surely not close to Petrucci, so... On a track Petrucci knows, I don't think there's any question he's in a different class. Just 
I, from that bike because we saw Loris Baz ride that bike last year, and he did not do that in a single round. Um, so jury's out because yeah, he doesn't know yeah, these we new see, tracks. We'll have to see Petrucci yeah. when it comes to a new track and you know, how quickly yep. can he learn a track over the course However, of the weekend. Um, he was at VIR on Monday. Somebody took a picture of him at the writer's meeting. So for all of you that okay. don't think going to the writer's meeting is important, here's a guy that's won a MotoGP race in Mugello, a Moto, two Moto America races, and a stage in the Dakar Rally, and he goes to the <laughs> writer's meeting. So all of you get to the writer's meeting because you're not that good. So you're, the floor is yours. No, I completely agree. You know, and I want to want to pause and, and really kind of give kudos to Matt Skoltz, um, because in you know race one, Matt Skoltz he kind of tucked in behind Petrucci for a while and tried to keep up with him, but um, it, you know it just wasn't there at all. But but in race two, I think Matt Skoltz really kind of came out swinging as best he could. He really and, did. And really tried to take it to Petrucci. You know, made a, a couple really aggressive turn or uh, excuse me, aggressive passes into turn eleven. Um, right. and knew that he had to do what he could to, to try to get ahead of Petrucci and ahead of that Ducati down the back straight. And uh, I really think that Petrucci was trying to start off race two, pacing himself a little bit better. But um, when Skulls just wouldn't go away, I think Petrucci just tried to pull the pin and put a little bit of space in between the two. Um, so Skultz, you know, couldn't make any of those moves, but, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of props to Matt Skultz for really trying to, to, to yeah. be on the attack and, and really flying the flag for Yamaha all weekend at Coda. He mean, really he, did. He did a fantastic job. Westby Racing, it, man. Absolutely. Yeah, that team's just a great team all around. Yeah, absolutely. I, I look, Matt Skoltz rode he rode brilliantly this weekend. If if a guy named Petrucci isn't there, yeah, absolutely. he probably yeah. wins. He probably wins yep. two races because no one was close to him really, except for the one guy. And that's that's always the problem. Like it's always there's always another guy. But <laughs> Petrucci showed us that he is Petrucci, and we we all know who he is. He was in GP for years. He's a he's a great rider. Um, but you're right, Matt Skoltz did try to show him some wheels and really get after him, especially in race two, um, until Petrucci had had enough and took off. But I I think that bodes well for Skoltz for the rest of the year. 100%, Tracks that he yeah. knows, um, you know, he's going to have the advantage on a guy like Danilo and. I really just need to understand what's going on with Gagne because even when he raced in two, race two, he wasn't close. So let's see if they got the, the kinks worked out and Gagne goes back to doing what Gagne does and because he has a DNF or DNS actually mm-hmm. in race one mm-hmm. and a third place in race two. That we didn't see last year. We saw him in the first race at Road Atlanta. He crashed. After that, he won everything. Right, right. You know, so um, is, he's in a different place now. But, you know, he's the champion for a reason. And these are all tracks that are familiar to him coming up. So I'm interested to see what happens. And I'm also interested to see Super Sport for Moto America and what that entails. I do want to give a shout-out to Richie Escalante, who really rode pretty solidly uh, for his first Superbike races. Mm-hmm. I think he had a top five in race two. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It was great to see those guys. It was good to see them in person. It was really cool to see the Ducati teams from GP coming out to greet and you know congratulate Danilo Petrucci yeah. when he won. That, yeah, was, that was really, really cool. cool to see. I noticed KTM didn't do that. Uh, I thought they did actually. I, I, I they, they, say they I were... don't. Well, maybe they didn't in race two. 
they may have in race one. There was a lot of people in race one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you could see that the, the paddock really loves Petrucci. Like ev- everybody likes Petrucci, so that was cool to see. Um, but uh, you know, I I just uh, was enjoyed watching those races, and I look forward to the rest of the year because I do think it'll be interesting because I think the talent of Petrucci is obviously on a little bit higher level than Loris Baz. Loris Baz is great. He did really well this past weekend in World Superbike. He two top tens, so good on him. But Petrucci's just another level, I think. And um, yeah, it's good to have him here in Moto America. I'm excited about it. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, this this is great for the championship. Great for Moto America as an organization. And, you know, and it's great because there was talk that Petrucci didn't really know if he was motivated to race. Yeah, right. Like he yep. just. If that's unmotivated, Petrucci, what does motivated <laughs> yeah. Petrucci do? <laughs> so, but you know, maybe he found that that love again out there at VIR in the rain with Evolve, feeling like a hero with those A group guys. <laughs> they were probably all like, "Good Lord, who is this guy?" Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I look forward to it. But I I think that's all I had for Moto America. Yep. I just wanted to mention it and talk about it a little bit. Um, I. Again, it's the Yamaha saga, though. That seems to be a theme. It's really unbelievable to me that they did this. Um, so let's go to MotoGP, and let's really quick, let's start with Moto3. Um, Jamma Masia ran a masterful race to win it. Um, Dennis Faggia finishes second, so he's right there. And then Andrea Migno finishes third. So... A good finish for Mino, kind of, you know, getting some good luck this time. Fagia being Fagia right there in the top two spots. That's mm-hmm. twice he's been kind of pipped, uh, you know, and not been able to win on the, the last lap there. Um, but finally, as all, all I can think of when I look at Masia, what do you got? Yeah, the same thing. I mean, Jamma Massey, This was an, this is a result that he needed uh, for his career, more or less, is what I'm 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 thinking of. You know, and he needs to turn this into momentum now. Um, yeah. You know, he was mired, and this was like you said, this is a really good race because he got mired down in the 15th spot on lap two. So yep. you know, for him to work up consistently as the race went on, and then to stay in that leading pack and never dropping below third from lap seven on. Um, and, and really being able to to sit back and, and wait for the right moment to attack Andrea Mino is really good for him. And, you know, with Foggia, Foggia is doing what Foggia needs to do for, an, for a uh, a championship. It, you know, Sergio really Garcia is. didn't finish the race, so Foggia was able to capitalize and yet again and come away. So now there's a 16-point gap in the championship back to Sergio. So this was important yep. for Foggia to just to do what he needs to do, go get points. Yeah, I, I think I think we're seeing a very very level-headed Fagia after the second half of last year and this yeah. year. Yep. You know, if if this keeps up, I don't think it's going to be close, honestly, because he seems to have podium pace everywhere they go, and um, you know, barring some serious bad luck or or some real falling regression regression in mm-hmm. form i mean I, I right now he just looks super confident and he's having a good time and you know it, he's not winning but you know he's right there and so when they get back to europe it's going to be very interesting to see what he's able to pull off and they'll be there this week at portamao at the roller coaster and i expect him to be fast i mean w- 
looking yeah. forward, I mean, do you do you see the same thing? I mean, yeah, his consi- so his consistent finishes are are really what's kind of separating him apart right now from the rest of the pack. You know, the top four guys in the championship, he's the only one that's finished every race. So that's yep. huge, you know. And Andrea Mino's yep. crashed out of two of them. So, you know, there's there's points win championships. We talk about it all the time, you know. And despite his first, if he'd had a better result in Qatar, we're talking about a much bigger lead. You know, he only had yeah. nine points yeah. in Qatar, but his last three races have been a first and then two seconds. So yeah, it's 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 consistently finishing top five is what is where Foggia's you know kind of headspace is right now. And and shooting for that podium every single time, every Sunday, shooting for that podium, right. and that's what that's what's going to bring home a championship. I I always watch him, you know, lap seven or eight, and I feel like you can tell yep. if he's going to be challenging for that podium. Then, even he, if he's back in the pack, you know what I mean. He really keeps his powder dry throughout throughout the first half of that race. He doesn't get upset. He knows that how he knows just how quickly these Moto3 races can can really change and how, how oh quickly gosh, the tides yeah. can change. And he's very patient this year, I think, and, and really shows a maturity on the bike. Yep, yep. He's uh, he's not forcing anything. He he just seems to be getting it. Uh, so we shall see for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I, I, I do want to say that, you know, I, I was a little disappointed in Izan Guevara's race. Uh, I thought he would do better. Um, obviously Sergio Garcia, I'm disappointed, but you know, uh, it, it's racing. So it's just one week. Let's see what happens going into Europe at Porta Mile. Right. Um, but other than that, I, I don't have any big stories. Uh, how about you? You good there? Yep. I'm good. We can go straight over to Moto2 now. All right. Perfect. Well, you know, Moto2, we saw a first time winner in Tony Arbolino and correct me if I'm wrong, but I said this guy was going to be at the front. This weekend or just in general? In uh, last year, I said it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, uh, I yeah. That. My eye for talent, Bo, it's staggering. It's really. it's tremendous. I don't know why you're not working somewhere else as a talent <laughs> acquisition. You know, <laughs> you know what? Just get me a shirt that says Talent Scout because <laughs> I am a talent scout. No, I I watched Tony Arbolino in Moto Three and watched how fast he was uh, in Moto Three and how easily he dealt with the madness, the mayhem that is Moto3. And I thought, you know, I'm very interested to see how he does in Moto2. I think he's going to be good. Well, it did take him a little while to adapt to the bike. You know, it probably mm-hmm. took him 12 races. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we started seeing him in qualifying. He'd be high up there. And, you know, in the race, he would be there. And, and he constantly learned and got better. And it culminated into this, which was a, his first race win in Moto2 which is, you know, it's great because he's with a great team in Elf Mark VDS. He's got a good teammate in Sam Lowe's, who, by the way, is a little disappointing this year, but that's early on. And, uh, you know, so we're going to we're gonna keep seeing what's going on there, but good for him. Ayagura finishing second, big deal. Great race for Ayagura. And then Jake Dixon. Well, fast Jake Dixon and consistent Jake Dixon showed up on – Sunday at Coda, and, you know, he did really well. So we had some people, we had a lady from England in our suite next to us, and she was cheering for him, and I told her if she if he beat the Americans that we weren't friends, and he beat the Americans, and I had to swallow So we lost a friend, right? Yeah, we lost friends. It was a terrible <laughs> day. 
but but you know he ran a great race take nothing away from him um but what do you got to say about the podium there no like you said you know this was almost expected from tony tony orbelino to see how fast he was in moto three to watch his adaptation into moto two you knew it was going to happen it was just an it was just waiting for that moment you know for him to see it and this was a really great race for him he just looked in control most of the race um, I was really hoping that Iagura would run him down and uh, get that win. I was really hoping that you know I would be vindicated in my my comments that Iagura's got a win in him, and uh, <laughs> was really hoping to see it, you know, at at, at Coda. Um, but uh, but I think it's I still think it's coming for Iagura. I, I think he's putting a lot of things together on the bike. He's learning race management, um, and, and I you, think that you only get better finishing where he finished, right? Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. I, I think he he learned a lot, and you know, Coda's not an easy track. Let's let's be real. No. You know, it's it's a very difficult track. It's very technical. It's very bumpy still. Um, uh, despite the the work that Coda has done, which really looked good. You know, a lot of the lower classes looked really good across turn ten. Um, you didn't see yep. a lot of the violent shakes out of Moto Three and Moto Two. Moto GP still, uh, the bike was the attitude turn eleven. Of the bike was still I think is moving. what Mark Marquez pointed at. Right, turn eleven still struggle. That, uh, is that the land Marquez coming said. down the hill? Yeah, that's and, turn and 10. Marquez said they did a good job, but eleven is still really bumpy. But it's whatever. Yeah, you know. Right. But uh, but so. no, you know, as far as Ayagura goes, um, I, I'm still waiting on that win, and I know it's going to come, and I'll be excited when it does. I don't disagree um, with you. But, uh, you know, Jake Dixon on the podium, Jake Dixon finished a race and it was on the podium. So good for him. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the best I can, I can say right now, but, uh, maybe we'll see more of this from Jake Dixon. Maybe so. Maybe this springboards him into some consistency, but we always know, you know, that there's no doubt that there's a talent with Jake Dixon. Um, he just hasn't always finished races and that's tough. So, but he did finish this one and he got a podium. So yep. congratulations to Jake Dixon. Um, we had an American on pole and evidently he had gearbox issues. American racing. We got to up the budget just a little bit. Okay. Who remembers when they couldn't get the rear tire on Joe Robertson's bike? What is it? There, there's something. What is happening? There's, there's a curse, you know. If an American gets on pole or something, there's there's just a curse, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it is it is it is beyond disappointing to me that Cam crashed. He was in fourth, which would have been a you know a personal best finish, even with the gearbox issues. Um, Joe Roberts finished eighth, which is whatever ho hum. Um, you know, my biggest disappointment in the race was that Cam fell, you know, fell out of the race and and crashed. With three turns to go. With three turns to go. And not just that, in that he just, he wasn't given really an opportunity to win that race just because it, it, it just feels like, it feels like everything's against the USA and winning in this paddock right now. And I'm mad at it, and that's just how it goes. Um, but great for Cam to get a, a pole position because he seems to be figuring out qualifying, which will help him. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he can come through and with some podiums in Europe on tracks he now knows. Right, 100%. Um, I'm going to take that positive. Um, 
in terms of you know Jorge Navarro finished race, we did see, we did not see the same uh, lightning in a bottle that we saw from Fermin Aldeguer the week before. But let's see what he does when he gets back to Europe. I'll be interested. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was a it was a good race. I was happy to see Arbolino win. I was happy to see Ayagura on the podium. And, you know, good on Jorge Navarro for finishing a race. So, Yeah, 100%. Completely agree. But if if I'm not mistaken, Kinect crashed while in the lead for that race. So, yeah. you know. I think, yeah, you think you're right. Oh, I'm right. And, you know, Aaron Kinect, that was surprising to me. I just don't think he wants to talk to me about this bow tie, and I'm mad <laughs> right. about it. Yeah, well, you know, so, as far as results go, too, this was a really important crash for Celestino Vietti to have as well because it now the really championship was. point. Yeah, now the championship is point. 14 points, and look who's in second. You know, yep. Ayagur is in second place in the championship without a win yet. So that just shows you that just how important finishing races are, is because as far as points go, Ayagur's first three races were at 10, 10, and 16 points. And then, you know, nailed the the six the 20 points um, with the second place. But he's right there when it comes to a championship. It's a long championship to go, a lot of rounds really left. And, and if yeah. he continues this kind of consistency, there could be a fight down the road. Could be a real fight. And a Japanese world champion would be great for the paddock. Um, but like you said, long season. We'll figure it out. We, you know, Vietti crashing. I'm glad you brought that up because I had not. But... Vietti crashing was a big deal in terms of the championship because it looked like at this point, I mean, he had started to just pull away. Like he was right, winning right. or finishing second, right? And uh, if he'd have won that race with Connect crashing, what would the points lead be? Like 40 points now? You know, something huge. Yep. So, you know, good on him. Good on uh, Arbolino, though. It was his day. He won it. Uh, let's move to MotoGP. 